Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Here's a tough ethical question. Would you tell a movie that you loved it just to get a good remake? Yes. Nothing like wrestling with a moral dilemma is there. So, Diane, is broadcast news a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Will be remade. I think that's the correct answer. Yeah. Because I don't think it should, and it definitely hasn't been, but I do think it will be. Yeah. It's too good a movie. It's too good and it's too famous enough. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about a movie that had seven Academy Awards, of which three of them were best for the actors. I did not look that up. Is that true? Yeah. Seven Academy Awards? Seven Academy Award nominations. They didn't win them, but 70 Academy Award nominations. Best Director, Best Picture, the three acting awards, Cinematography, and Best Editing. Which ones did it win? It didn't win any of them. What? But it was nominated for all of that, which was just amazing. Because I sent you a text after watching this movie, and I was basically like, Holly Hunter is so good. Uh Uh-huh. Like, so good. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, listeners won't necessarily know this, but I've spent the last month watching a lot of Holly Hunter because... In Los Angeles, every May, and it's kind of fuzzy now, but they basically have uh, writing fellowship applications for, like, the different studios. So Disney, ABC, Warner Brothers uh, have these applications, and so you uh, some of them require you write spec episodes of existing shows. And my friend Valerie and I were going to both watch, we decided on the show, Mr. Mayor. And it turns out that's Ted Danson, but the real star of the show is Holly Hunter. So Mr. Mayor was the first thing I'd ever seen Holly Hunter in, which is definitely a tragedy. Mind blown. It's not great. No. It's, and it's not a good show, and now it's canceled. But uh, it was nice to go back and see, like, the Holly Hunter movie. And she's, she's so good at this. Well, there's a second one also from this year that's also the Holly Hunter movie. Oh, yeah? What's that? Raising Arizona by I, the Coen brothers. I also do need to see that. You absolutely do. I... Like, it's, I genuinely enjoy the Coen Brother comedies. I usually don't enjoy their not comedies. This is a comedy. Okay, great. Then I should watch it. Yeah. It is a comedy. Um, it's got Nick Cage in one of his best roles ever. Amazing. And Holly Hunter is spectacular in this. Then you're right. I should watch that. Yeah. It's also funny because earlier this season, I remade Defending Your Life with uh, Scott Corelli, and that was my first Albert Brooks movie. And here's my second. Good choices. Sure. Good choices. Another one that's a really good Albert Brooks movie is Lost in America. And that's got Julie Haggerty and it's got one of the best lines ever where they stop off in Vegas and they sort of quit their jobs and they're in an RV and they're going to see America with their nest egg. And Julie discovers the casinos. Oh no. So she goes in and he thinks she's just going away for a little bit. She goes in and she's just gambling for like hours. She comes out and she's all dazed and confused. He's like, not the nest egg. And it's just a beautiful delivery of that line. And it's just, you know, all of a sudden they're lost in America with no money and having to survive. Yeah. Interesting. It's a fun movie. Also, he's a really got a really good film called Mother. With like, I think it's Debbie Reynolds who's in it. Seems like. And it's a great, great film. Cool. Good. I, I, so many movies that at some point I need to watch. Yeah. 
Well, I thought while we're talking about those actors, we can bring up movies that we had. Well, it's nice that uh, we then get to continue with the podcast that part of the reason why I made it is to force me to watch movies I need to watch. So broadcast news. Yeah, broadcast news. Um, Do you remember the first time you saw it? Back with my parents, probably, when they were showing me inappropriate movies for children. And this one isn't that inappropriate. No, it's not that inappropriate. It's less inappropriate than a a bunch of other films I've seen as a child. Yes, which are stories I've heard you... Not heard. I've made you tell before in the podcast. I'm yeah. not going to make you retell them. If you want to hear those stories, go listen to one of Diane's many previous appearances on the show. Which are totally fun and awesome. So you absolutely. We're on for Hackers and Ronin and uh, uh, Space Jam and Terminator and... Wanted. Wanted. Oh, God. And Wanted. <laughs> That's right. And In a Lonely Place. And In a Lonely Place. That's right. Oh, man. You've been on the show a lot. Yeah. Good for you. I get a frequent flyer certificate. <laughs> uh, yeah. So now you're back for broadcast news. I am. What made you choose this one? Um, well, William Hurt just died. Which oh, was he? Yeah. William Hurt just died. And... They sort of brought up all the films that he had been in and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. his Oscar-winning performance in Kiss of a Spider-Woman actually isn't available anywhere, which is a bummer. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's right. It's just it's based one on of a play. fell in the middle of, like, fell down the cracks and no one's fighting to get it. Yeah, exactly. Raul Julia's in it. He's phenomenal. That's, like, his first movie after being in TV for years. William Hurt won an Oscar for this. Based on a play where I think the playwright died of AIDS. I Great. mean, it was so just I'm so amazing excited to thing. remake Kiss of a Spider Woman. Yeah, Kiss of a Spider Woman is phenomenal. But, but um, because of that, you were thinking in like, oh, what's a good William Hurt movie? Exactly. And I was like, broadcast news is awesome and fun. And it's not depressing. So I don't have to sit there and be depressed that he's dead. I can celebrate his life when I watch it. And I remembered Holly Hunter, Albert Brooks, James L. Brooks. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're watching this. Fair. And it turns out James L. Brooks and Albert Brooks, not related. Nope. But James L. Brooks is one of the creators on The Simpsons because I of know. the Tracy Allman show. Yep. And he did Terms of Endearment and he did Spanglish and a bunch of other stuff. It's it's a lot of powerhouses coming together to really talk about fax machines. I mean, broadcast news. Yeah. Just the most current. And I was like, part, so part of me when I was thinking about this remake is, oh, you can put it into different ways because there's all these different mediums that we get our news from right now. And I'm like, but you can't. Because it's called broadcast news. Yeah, because one of the ways when I was thinking of how do you remake this and stuff, I was thinking, what if it's something like Vice or things like that, where you know it's kind of like a Vice News. So I don't it's, know what that is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Vice News, where the it's website, kind of, the website kind of thing. I was like, yeah, that's kind of not the point of this. Right. I had the same thought because I like I get I get a lot of my news from podcasts, from news podcasts, and while I you could do a lot of the same things in the movie it wouldn't be the movie no you i you would have to recall it podcast news which would be a very funny remake and that's a whole separate pitch but it's not broadcast news and that's what we're trying to remake and i think even within like in 87 when this was made they're still talking about the death of broadcast news that's true so i think it's still relevant as relevant as it was in the past it's still relevant today it's also very relevant because so over the course of the movie, there's the, kind of the main characters. There's Jane Craig, Tom Grunick, and Aaron Altman. Jane Craig is the Holly Hunter, and she is the producer. Like, she understands everything, knows everything, and like is able to make everything happen. And uh, she's given a chance in the movie, and it's, oh, man, she's really good. Did you know she was this good? Yes. <laughs> but, oh, God, a woman being a producer. What a crazy novel concept. 
uh, but she's just astounding. Uh, and then Tom Grunick is just the blonde guy who doesn't really know anything, knows he doesn't know anything, and is just charming, but knows that he doesn't know anything enough to ask for help. And gets, like, to be the lead anchor because he's just so attractive. Which I don't get, but everyone was telling me that he was. So I'm like, all right, if this is what people were into at the time, I support it. William Hurt's gorgeous. If you say so. Absolutely gorgeous. I don't get it, but I believe you. I would believe me. Okay. (laughs) Young William Hurt was amazing. I saw the movie. I know, but you didn't get it. I didn't. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, it's different. It doesn't matter. Different strokes. Yes, And then Aaron Altman is the Albert Brooks, who is the kind of like on the street reporter. Who's the, he's the super knowledgeable, really tries really hard, but he wants to be the Tom Grunick character, but he just doesn't really have the charisma for it. Yes. And then you throw all these three together and then both guys are in love with Holly Hunter for different reasons. And she kind of is conflicted with that because she's not in love with Albert Brooks at all. And she's infatuated with the attractive guy, and uh, none of them should be together. And in a refreshing twist, none of them end not. up. Nope. It is weird for me that because the part of the reason that Holly Hunter admits that she really shouldn't be into a uh, blonde guy is because he fabricated a response to a story. But then by the end of the movie, she's like, "Yeah, I guess we shouldn't date, but I'm okay with you." And I'm like, "I feel like that would mean you can't be friends anymore." Yeah, and I think was what makes it refreshing to me is a none of them end up together, which is great because I, I feel it's very true to life. Mm-hmm. They didn't try and force a happy ending on everyone, but at the end, it is kind of a happy ending. It is, yeah. Albert Brooks, the obsessive incel, got married to someone else and has a child, and is the leading foreign news correspondent or reporter in a Portland radio in a Portland TV station. Yeah, they're all doing very well. Yeah. Holly Hunter has a very Karen haircut. They're all doing great. The haircut's revolting. It's awful. It's awful. Especially because her like she looks great the entire rest of the movie. And then she gets this horrible wig thing on her. It's bad. I'm like the men didn't have to change their hair at all. Why did they make her do it? I I, I, I actually had some very like angry thoughts about this. Honestly, I don't love that last scene just because it's like, hey, look, they all turned out okay. And part of me is like, I get it. That's very nice. But it puts them in a situation where it's like, hey, these things that were major problems that I had with you, not anymore. We seem to be chill with each other. And it's like, I understand coming to like kind of like a mid, but I feel like Holly Hunter would not be okay with someone who is willing to fabricate his reactions to the news like, but she's a not big problem but hang on i'll go with you i'll go with you just as a counterpoint on this i don't think she is okay with it because she like fights to her attraction to him the entire time like she wants to be with tom she wants to she she go, comes on to tom literally tries to crawl over him the first time they meet he walks away from her and then you know the rest of the movie is them going back and forth as to whether or not they'll do it right and get together but something keeps pushing her away from him and when she finds out he fabricated it, she's like, no, that's it. This is so wrong. It's everything I hate about the news today. Yeah, so I, I, and I agree with you. I, I agree with all of that. But I feel like it's so wrong that it, that it would push her beyond just losing her infatuation. It would push her to a point of like, I can't even respect you anymore. I can't even respect your attempts at trying to do this right and asking for help because you're, 
you are so emblematic of everything that I hate. And I looked past it before, but I can't look at past it anymore. Well, I think the reason she accepts it is, accepts the job as managing editor and head of the head of producing for producing the national news because that's what she does. She accepts the job and is basically controlling over him, right? Controlling over Tom, I think, is because she wants to control that content. Tom realizes that if he doesn't have a break like her on him, he'll just go back to crying and cut cutaways for his reaction shots. She'll stop that and keep the news pure. All right. I view that as like a hopeful kind of sign. I mean, I I will buy into your sense of hope. Okay. I mean, I, I like this film because it actually makes me, gives me good feels. That's good. I, I don't, I don't want to take those good feels. Like, I yeah. think it is a good movie and I felt good after watching it. <laughs> one of the things that was kind of leading towards is what, uh, one of the elements in the uh, movie is that Jack Nicholson is like the, the, oh man, he's the national anchor that like all the other two dudes aspire to be the Tom Brokaw or whatever. There's a moment where the department that these three people work for is kind of getting liquidated and and like half of everybody's getting fired and it's getting fired. And Jack Nicholson makes the comment of, Oh, just because we couldn't program Wednesday night. But they also make a comment of like, you know, all these people wouldn't have to get fired if you were willing to take a small pay cut. No, of course not. You would never take a pay cut. And it's like, of course, the big, rich, and powerful people keep getting paid a lot, and all these like working stiffs have to have to have nothing. And that was also very emblematic of the current world, also. Yeah, but also I think Holly Hunter. Five years later. Yeah, and I think Holly Hunter uh, Jane makes an interesting comment when she's talking to both of the both of the men, and she's like, "So where did you end up?" And Aaron reveals he's been fired. And uh, Tom says, oh, yeah, they let go of me, too. And she's and Aaron's like, there's not a world that would get rid of both of us. Aaron wasn't fired. Aaron, Aaron quit. Aaron was offered something he didn't want. And he quit. And he quit instead. Yeah, sorry, my bad. And Tom thinks he's been fired or, or basically been sent demoted. down. Demoted. Instead, he's, like, being promoted. Yeah. Higher. He's failing upwards. Yeah, he is continuing to fail upwards. Yeah. Because attractive guy fails upwards. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the modern world. It's the modern world. It's not the some... modern world. It is the world. It is the world. But that's basically the movie. And then the, there's a lot of like inside baseball and like there's another attractive lady reporter who like goes to Holly Hunter and says, hey, do you have feelings for uh, attractive blonde guy? Because if you do, I'll back off. But if not, I'd love to ask him out. And Holly Hunter says, I don't. But then she changes and she's like, I do. Sorry. And it changes again. It's like, never mind. Yeah. And, which I thought was incredibly mature and very nice and attractive blonde lady ha- ends up having a lovely time with attractive blonde guy. Uh, I don't know. I just seemed very adult about all of that. I was like, that's the correct way for all that to go. Except then Holly Hunter sends her to Alaska. And then Holly Hunter does the petty thing and sends her to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because Holly Hunter is bad at emotions. Yes. And to the point where, like, she was supposed to hang out with an uh, attractive blonde guy, but then gets, like, pulled away to help her friend Albert Brooks. And she calls him and is like, I-, I can come over later, but he really needs my help. And he's like, my dad's coming into town tomorrow, so maybe another time. And instead of being like, yeah, another time, she takes it personally. He's like, his dad's not really coming into town. She goes into his office. She yells at him. He's like, well, this is my dad. How are you doing? How are you doing? She's like, I'm so sorry. You were telling me the truth. You weren't blowing me off. And yeah. the dad said, what's the line he says? Is That's a woman who doesn't know how to express emotion. Yes. It's perfect. 
it's so absolutely good. perfect. I think the fact that she starts every day with a crying session mm-hmm. and to try and get all those emotions out before she goes into a world where she can't be seen crying. Yeah. You know, you can't cry and get ahead in a world where men are the dominant force. Yeah. It's uh, it, very good at controlling your state of being overwhelmed. Yes. That also felt very modern and very real and very authentic. One of the things I think James Brooks excels at as a writer is getting those real emotions going. Mm-hmm. I, You know, he hasn't done a thing that rings false. You know, I think his movies and stuff relate to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one I don't like is as good as it gets, so that's just because I think that's stupid. But <laughs> um, Terms of Endearment, you know, is one of those, like, big cry fests. Sure. You just have, and then Spanglish is actually really good. Yeah. So I think he really gets in touch with people's emotions and knows how to write these emotional moments that people respond to, that feel true, that That's don't good. ever feel I false. Mean, yeah, I mean, like I have, I have no qualms really. Like my qualms are just like fallout, but overall, it's a good movie. Yeah. And I, like I kept texting you, like, oh my god, Holly Hunter's incredible. And so the question I'd asked you is. What happened to her? Like, she had these, apparently, two big movies this year. And then, what what happened to Holly Hunter that now, like, all these years go by? Like, I don't have a problem with her being in Mr. Mayor. She's the best part of Mr. Mayor. She's so damn good. She's been acting constantly since then. Has she? Okay. Yes. Um, since then, she won the Oscar for the piano, like, seven years later, in 94. Okay. Um, she was nominated for 13 Broadcast News and The Firm. All of those three movies she was Oscar nominated for. She won two primetime Emmys. One for a thing called Roe vs. Wade, which is unbelievably topical right now. Yeah. And the other one is for the, uh, let me get this thing, the Positively True Adventures of the Alleged alleged Texas Cheerleader Murdering Mom. What? It's a phenomenal (laughs) movie and a true story. I Say that title again? The Positively True Adventures of the Alleged Texas Cheerleader Murdering Mom. I want to watch that. Yes. She won the Emmy for it. Clearly. It's a TV movie? It's a TV movie. That's amazing. Yeah. If we can find that, we should totally watch that. We, yes, absolutely. But, My God. But she also had a series uh, that ran for about three years on TNT called Saving Grace, where she was the star. Hmm. And kind of an anti-hero kind of thing in the in the realm of the shield. Okay. Um, so she's been acting. It's just not in stuff that I've personally been watching. Like, right. not in the worlds of things that I've been watching. Right. She's that done a couple Coen Brother movies. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? She's in that. Who's she in Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? I forget. But she's in that. I love Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, she's in that. She in Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm pretty sure she is. I'm looking this up. Okay. I'm pretty sure she is. She's Penny, but... Uh, oh, um, she's Penny, but I'm not sure who Penny is. Like, I'm seeing the picture, and it's not hasn't... I don't remember who Penny is. Okay. Well, I haven't seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou in like years, so I don't remember. But she was also in The Incredibles. Is she George Clooney's ex-girlfriend slash wife? Maybe. I think that's who she is. Okay. And yes, I I, I was informed that she is Elastigirl. She's Elastigirl. She was in Succession before she was in Mr. Mayor. She played a lawyer in Succession that kind of went against the Roy family and stuff. So she's been acting constantly all right so it's my failure it's your failure and i accept that okay fair all right okay so i assume that i'm very much in the minority of people who haven't seen this movie so i don't think we need to go back through it even more detailed than we already have so with that in mind what are your thoughts for a remake 
And that's that's where I came into the problem because I was thinking, you know, this movie could literally change the tech to tech stuff because the tech is obviously, you know, 30 years out of date or however long it of is. Course. But you can take it and plunk it in a movie today. But it's also very real. Of Like they had the scene at the beginning of the movie where they're trying to get uh, like a segment that like Albert Brooks had put together to have like this really cool dramatic shot. And it's like they have less than two minutes to get it all done. And um, they edit it together and Holly Hunter hands Joan Cusack uh, a tape and Joan Cusack is running across this and like gets it in and it's perfect timing and it's this amazing, like perfectly like lined up shot and it's excellent. But I feel like you could do that now, like cutting in yeah. with a, like cutting in with digital effects. It's the same thing. You don't get to have the dramatic run. run. But even still, you could be getting the footage and then taking the flash drive to wherever it needs to be. But it's also getting the footage and then streaming it, like running to go do the thing. Like, I think you absolutely could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, that works. I'm just talking about, you know, like the cameras and things like that. That all changes. Sure, but that doesn't. That doesn't really make a difference. No, I mean, that, I think, that's not really a part of the story. No, though. I honestly think a lot of this movie can just go whoop, into today. Yeah, just updated technology, but an audience would really never notice. Right. The only thing that would change is that Holly Hunter wouldn't be telling taxi drivers how to get places. She'd be telling rideshare people. Well, no, it's New York. She'd still be telling taxi it's, drivers. It's a Washington, D.C. It's Washington, D.C. Are there cabs in Washington, D.C.? Yes. Okay, then she'd be still telling cab drivers. I don't want to promote Lyft or Uber. No. At all. So she can tell cab drivers. Yeah. She'd still be telling cab drivers where to go. She'd still be, you know, going through DuPont Circle and trying to avoid that entirely. Yes. You know, so I think it's a very viable movie yeah to put into modern times which is why i think your interpretation of it's a will be remade has got to be true yeah it just has to be yes like it 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 will be someone's gonna be like but broadcast news and then you find stars who are like i'd love to be in a movie like broadcast news well why don't not why not like broadcast news it is broadcast news because we're talking when they when they made the film it was holly one of holly hunter's first films but it was William Hurt. He just won the Oscar in 84 for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Albert Brooks was unbelievably well known. James L. Brooks had won the Oscar for Terms of Endearment. So we're talking, you so know. So Holly Hunter was the unknown for this movie. Holly Hunter was the unknown for this movie. Wow. That's amazing for yeah. her. And just to like steal the show. She absolutely did. She nailed it. So one of the things I was thinking about in terms of modern news on the air is the closest equivalent I could think of were shows like, and this is going to come up when we get to uh, writer-director, but shows like Last Week Tonight, The Daily Show, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. It's these kind of shows where it is news and it is broadcast, but it's not necessarily like broadcast CBS news kind of thing. And that was the closest thing I could think of in terms of like getting this story. Because each one of those has an individual story. Like, here is the the story we're telling today. And I think it's a way to take this movie and say, you've got these shows that are trying to remain neutral, but they can't remain neutral because they know too much. And it's you still have to, like, all of the ones that I'm interested in watching have a political bent because it's like, why are you bending over backwards to try to be fair and impartial when these are the facts and the facts don't, care about left or right necessarily they care about people doing the wrong thing or the right thing to a degree of right or wrong but yes i'm sorry i no no no. i was sorry i didn't want to interrupt you on that um well 
this is where I kind of literally ran into a brick wall because I was thinking it could be something like last week tonight, but then that's more of a personality driven thing. And is Tom Grunick actually a personality driven character? That's, that's an excellent point. Because, because we're also talking about Tom replacing a national anchor. So do we then go back to like the CBS evening, evening news or something, which I actually rewatched like a national news broadcast. I was like, Oh, I remember these from my childhood <laughs> and it was so alien because all I've really been watching for news are like Seth Meyers, Samantha B, John Oliver, yeah. you know, I've been watching that sort of stuff for news. Well, there was something that kind of happened like this within our lifetimes. And I didn't think about this in terms of my casting at all, but like when John Stewart left the daily show, there was that whole big thing of like, who's going to replace John Stewart. And it ended up being Trevor Noah, who's, incredibly eloquent and very well informed and very very smart but what if Jon Stewart had just left and didn't name a successor and then the network came in and said we want you to use the attractive guy and that way it's a it's a personality driven show in the sense that they just cast someone based on personality not based on skill and talent you cast someone with the charisma of Jon Stewart but without any of the research or even necessarily desire to do good. I mean, that's definitely a good possibility on that and a good, and a good thing. Cause I do remember the, the hoo ha ha about, you know, who's going to replace Jon Stewart. And it was huge. Yeah. It was absolutely huge. Cause when, I mean, when Stephen Colbert left his show, it's dead. Yeah. You know, because, and, but again, he was I mean, also his playing name a character. was also in the title. His name was in the title, but he was also playing a character on that show. Right. Which was interesting. And then he, you know, and he's got whatever the late show or whatever it's called that he's got now, you know, and it's very much a straight thing. You know, it's Jimmy Fallon, it's Stephen Colbert, it's... it's... But even those late-night shows, there's always a big thing when one of them leaves. Yes. When uh, David Letterman retired, it was a big <laughs> thing replacing David Letterman. Yes. When Jay Leno retired, it was a big thing replacing Jay Leno. And, and then, then he, he and unretired. Then he, and then he unretired. And then he retired again, and then he unretired. Jay Leno doesn't uh, know what to do with himself when he's not working. Or driving cars. Or buying cars. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, different, more it expensive. Is. It is. Yeah. There's so many plot points in this in the in the uh, original version that I want to move to the old the new version. Like what? I want to move the not creating content for for broadcast. You know, when they get the shoes and one of the guys is like, "Put the shoe on," and then Holly Hunter's like, "No, do what you want with the shoe. Don't do this. Don't put it on. But don't let us tell you what to do." Oh, when they're um, in the Nicaragua or wherever yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. And the guy, and the, it's like they're trying to film, but it's trying to be authentic. Like we don't want to, like we want to be as impartial as possible. And like whatever you're gonna do, just imagine we're not here, and it's just a crowd of people watching someone put on a shoe. Yeah, exactly. But I also, I also think you know, creation of news today, especially in the digital era of TikTok and everything else, people create content all the time, and yeah. sometimes it's very hard to tell what's real and what isn't. Yes. So I think that's a very good plot point that needs to move over to the current to the remake yes i agree i think the politics of replacing people and of who produces what show when also needs to move over because i always found the scene in the house in the party where it's very interesting because the owner of the station or the station head is there not the guy who runs the news station runs the news division but the guy who's above him is there and he's he puts out the, all the assignments and albert brooks is left out in the in the wind yeah because albert brooks doesn't have the charisma and, exactly and just or he's like 
there's a scene so the movie opens with all three of these people as children kind of like being emblematic of the person that they're going to be uh, it's uh attractive blonde guy is an attractive redheaded child for some reason and reddish blonde sure 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 and uh it's like i studied so hard for these and his dad's like i saw you study so hard for these and he's like i didn't do so well and he's like yeah but all those waitresses sure said that i'm gonna be a lady killer what does that mean don't worry about it and that's who he is yeah and then albert brooks is getting beaten up for like being a smart ass literally because he's graduated from high school at 15 yeah or 14, whenever, whatever. It's also weird that he, like, gives his graduation speech saying, well, this was really awful. I had a terrible time. Fuck all of you. But I presume he'd be with his parents afterwards, so how did he get separated to go get beaten up by all these other... It doesn't matter. I think you're confusing his graduation with yours. That's fair. Would his parents not go to his graduation? I'm sure they would, but they were in the courtyard afterwards, so maybe he hadn't caught up with his parents yet. There were no parents. There were no parents. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And then Holly Hunter... It's doing something. She's writing to her pen pal. That's right. She's writing to all oh, of her pen pals. Yes, she's got multiple pen pals. And the, the best part about that one is when her father comes in and says, listen, don't be obsessive about this. Go to bed. And she's like, I just need to finish this one letter to this pen pal. And, and how dare she, you suggest I'm being obsessive? She breaks off and goes back down and says, the nature of being obsessive is not being able to stop something. Here I am stopping to talk to you. And then she goes back and finishes what she's doing. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's such a good scene. That that kid was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the other best line that we had was Holly Hunter when that uh, rich guy at the mm-hmm. house is like, um, Holly Hunter's like, you shouldn't be doing blonde guy. You should be giving Albert Brooks a chance. And the guy's like, no. And he says uh, to her, it must be it must be nice always being right and knowing that everyone else is wrong. And Holly Hunter, what's the exact line? Diana? No, it's horrible. It's horrible as she's like nearing tears. But she doesn't go. She doesn't cry. But she doesn't cry. Cassandra Complex is a real thing, and it's real sad. Yep. But yeah, so anyway, I think we need to have our Jane Craig be the smartest person in the room, the person who should be running everything, but for whatever reason isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the big fancy person who had this job, who has all the little like people out in the world doing the reporting, and this attractive blonde guy or whomever is being kind of being groomed to take his place, but isn't necessarily ready for it, ready for it or the right person, but they have the pretty face and it's easier to sell a pretty face. Yes. So we just have to figure out what kind of show we want. Cause we could just do the news, the news on a TV station. That's just like kind of the 24 hour news cycle. We can just have that. Yeah. Or we could have a, like a cable news show. And I suppose a cable news show is not a broadcast news show. No. And I think even when broadcast news came out, I think CNN was in its infancy. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. So then do we, so then I guess the next question is for our remake, when do we want to set it? I think we have to set it today. I agree. Because one of the things that made that so relevant in 87 was that it took into account everything that was going on then. I agree. I think, so I agree, and I feel like one of the, if we're doing broadcast news, which it's the movie, so we probably should, and not Samantha Bee or John Stewart or whatever, I think one of the things they need to deal with are the, um, the expert witness, the, whatever the term is for people where it's like the, the, the political, like, back and forth of like. The pundits. The pundits, thank you, of having the left-wing and right-wing pundits come on and talk about the issue, which is a big thing of modern news, which shouldn't exist because it's terrible. 
And I feel like that should be one of the issues. But yeah, because I feel like as politically neutral as the movie is now, ours cannot be. No. Because that's simply not the nature of the world anymore. No, I think you have to take a stand as to which side you're going to be on. Yeah. And And us being us, we're not going to go to the right. Correct. But I think that also changes of the... One of the other things that has happened is there have been a lot of instances of left-leaning news sources getting bought out and gutted and taken off the air. Yes. That's been true of so many. A lot of local news stations have been brought bought out by huge, big corporate right-wing news stations, and they're actually given scripts of what to say. Yeah, and not only that, like, there are... I can't think of the first one, but, like, I know Cracks.com was doing, like, a like a bunch of really, like, left-leaning, like, political news stuff saying, hey, here's some stuff to be aware of, and then they got bought out and shut down. Yeah. Well, that's how, um, uh, what was it, Gawker? That's how Gawker, that's how Gawker was killed. Yeah. Because Peter Thiel was like, no, don't make fun of me anymore, and suited out of existence. Right. So I feel like that's what needs to happen. I feel like that's what needs to happen for ours as well. And it was this station that was starting to lean left and then it's going to get bought out. And instead of just, we're firing people because we don't have the money, it's we're firing people because you were telling left-leaning news stories. Mm -hmm. So I think our big resolution at the end will be Albert Brooks has a podcast, attractive Tom Grunick is on like a cable news show, and um, Jane Craig, the Holly Hunter, now has like, is running a Samantha Bee kind of show kind of thing. Because I feel like that's where this needs to end up because that's what happens to actual broadcast news that tries to do the right thing, which if it's something we're creating, we'd want it to. Absolutely. And if you look at like one of the things that drove me nuts, I was watching Face the Nation on Sunday morning because it came after the um, F1 race. Okay. The so, Formula One race? The Formula One race, which I had to get up at 5.45 in the morning to watch. So I was up when you, Face the Nation came up. Were you happy with the results? No. Oh, I'm sorry. The evil sat- satanic one won. Oh, I don't so, know what that means, but I can ask you about that afterwards. You can ask me about that afterwards. But anyway, I Look, was watching... we're both with... upset that the uh, the vegan Latvians didn't make it to Eurovision final. Yes. However. However. <laughs> um... <laughs> One of the things that I found interesting was that they bent over backwards to give the right a voice and it didn't challenge them on shit like like them saying, oh no, the 2020 election was stolen and she didn't challenge him. Yeah. And she just let him stay it on national news. And that's the, that's the problem with modern news is that they're all owned by billionaire conglomerates and so none of them are ever able to actually do the fucking news. Yeah. And that needs to be the plot of our movie. Yes. Of, um, <clears throat> like, you can even have it start with them being inspired when they were children by the people who worked in broadcast news. Like, in reality, like the Tom Brokaws or whatever. But, like, then just having to face the reality of all of the, uh, of reality. Yeah. And, like, I feel like you can have Tom Grunick have come forward and been popularized because he was so good at making these puff pieces yeah that fox news loves to air whenever there's something ever going on that might make them look bad or to make it even worse he like suddenly accidentally became a star on tiktok and then got enough national national note from that that he got hired 
to this new station. Sure. I mean, I mean I, let's make it. I made my guy a little bit older for old for TikTok, but that's fine. Well, it doesn't matter. Sometimes like old TikTok's got like old granny on it or something. So that's he's true. like You're old right. granny or something yeah, on TikTok. Yeah. So I feel like we have our Holly Hunter character, our Aaron Altman, and all of them are kind of trying to push everything to the left and, and question and do news and reporting. Whereas the Tom Grunick character is like, whatever, just throw me in. Well, I think I feel like if we want to have the Tom Grunick character to be like the Tom Grunick character in the movie as he is now, is he did all these puff pieces, but he wishes he could do something that mattered. Yes. I remember what I was going to say. Okay. So in the movie, the Tom Grunick character, what he kind of fakes his crying reaction to is there, especially in the 80s, was kind of the invention of the term date rape. And there was an episode of This American Life a few within the last few weeks, uh, within the last month, couple months uh, when this episode goes out, that t- that literally had an interview with the woman, uh, with the, the academic lady who coined the term. Oh, wow. Where she went, basically the, the This American Life talks about how like that's kind of, she's known as like the date rape lady, which she hates, but basically she went around and interviewed different women and talked to them about all their different experiences. And every single one of them said, well, I've, I haven't ever been raped. But then when asked specific questions about what happened to you, how did it go, what all these things, they were like, oh yeah, all these different things happened, but I wasn't raped. And it's like, well, just because we don't have that kind of standard definition of, it was like, oh, it has to be like dragged around a corner and behind this that or the other thing by a stranger you don't know correct and so like the concept of date rape was like kind of changed the narrative so of course this movie has it introduced by uh by a guy but that whole but the aspect of it in the 80s and and that's a scene that looks really bad for albert albert brooks because he's like ah look at them she's being sad about stuff did she have a bad date and all the women in the room are like shut the fuck up albert brooks yeah and it's while he's like unwinding and losing his mind because his career is crumbling and he's trying to like hold on to something by like telling uh holly hunter that he loves her and like everything's falling apart for him and so like it's not a good look for him but also he's like having a mental breakdown yeah not an excuse it just is what's happening and so like i'm sure there are lots of things right now that can be made real yeah I think so. And I think that that would be cool. Yeah. That would be not cool. I mean, that's a very bland way to say it, but I think that would make the movie really interesting. I I agree. So I think our Tom character needs to be doing all these puff pieces, but wants to be doing stuff that matters. And that's why he's reaching out to Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter. Yes. I'm sorry. To Aaron Altman and Jane Craig. There we go. And, and like, like eventually does do one that matters, but cheats in a little way. So it, it like, if anyone ever found out, all of a sudden the credibility of the report would be gone. Yeah. So it, it, he all of a sudden puts Jane Craig in this horrible position of, do I reveal the lie and tank the story that's actually really important? Or do I let the lie go by and keep the positive response and positive social change that it inspired? Also, do I keep the, do I keep the, the uh, file? Oh, yeah. Or do I delete the file? Yeah. Do I delete the... I think that needs to come into it because I think one of the things she's able to do, Jane is able to do at the end of the movie is go into the video files of the tape files and actually just watch the outtakes. Mm -hmm. And that's easy enough to get a hold of these days. Absolutely. So the question is, is to preserve this guy's career, Tom's career, does she keep the file or does she delete it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. 
I think you're right. Um, okay, that's so that's the Tom arc and a little bit of the Jane arc because the Jane arc is mostly like um, sacrificing ethical standards for quote unquote love, and then Albert, uh, I'm sorry, Aaron Altman is. I'm really good at research and getting to the heart of the story, but I don't have charisma and I can't sell it. And also I get this incredible case, case of flop sweat when you yeah. sit me down. Apparently that's a real real story. About Aaron Alt? About... No, no, about about a news anchor. Apparently there was like the Saturday night news anchor on some show really wanted to like be tested and had this, had not this obviously exaggerated case of sweating, but apparently sweat a lot on the on the news. Yeah. So um, uh, Albert Brooks called up James Brooks at three in the morning and says, this is what we need to do. And they did it. I mean, it plays and it works because it's something entirely outside of your control. And when it happens, you have to be like, well, I have to rethink some things. Yeah. Like, am I going into, pre- am I going into menopause? Sure. Having a hot flash. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I do think we have kind of our arcs for our, our three main characters, because really the one that changes the most is Tom. Everyone, the other two are kind of largely the same. We have our situation, we have our setting, we kind of have everything, how everything shakes out. What else do we need to do to set this up? I think um, we need to create a reason for Jane to actually want Tom, because if he's, if he's you know, aside, broadcast news is he's beautiful, Jane wants him. Sure. Okay, but I think our Jane needs to be a little bit more complex than that. Okay. So he comes out of these puff pieces, but let's say he accidentally got There's some. a really easy way to do that. Tell me. You And you already set it up. He's a, He has the audience. Yeah. What Jane needs is she knows that broadcast news is slowly dying. Everyone knows that. And she's trying to make it be legitimate and uh, uh, communicate to the people who still watch it. What Tom brings in isn't necessarily the credentials, but he brings the audience. Okay. And she'll yeah. be able to, by him being there, she'll be able to communicate all these things to a much larger crowd. Yeah. And Aaron is indicative of the news form that is dying. Yeah. He doesn't have, he has no social media presence at all. Yeah. Because he's not trying to communicate with children. He's trying to communicate with adults. Yes. Let's say. Obviously, that's not the case, but that's what he's yeah. saying. That's what he's saying. Because at, th- yeah. at the end of the day, Aaron Altman is a snob. Yes. He is. And kind of a bully. Absolutely, yes. And not a great guy. No, he is not a great guy. Yeah, okay. I, okay, good. Yeah, so that's where I think that should come in. I think that I like where they all end up. I think Jane might want to end up in control of Tom. Yes. I think they need to end up together. Not not together, but... But work, working, working relationship. Working relationship. And because I think Jane will realize that she's also not necessarily charismatic. She's really good at being the producer, running things behind the scenes. And literally Tom is her puppet. And that's what works well about it. Yeah. And I think that needs to happen. And I, and I think that we would change the ending in the sense of like, all right, we will work together. Here are my very specific rules of I have final cut on everything. Yeah. Well, they do say that in broadcast news, in the original. They do say that in broadcast news, but I think that needs to be more explicit. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And then I think um, Aaron Altman ends up, you know, kind of on the outskirts of everything. You know, maybe running a podcast, broadcasting to who knows how many people. He's he's doing podcast news. Yeah, he's doing podcast news. And 
because he doesn't need to be in front of people, they don't look at him. So he's able to be charismatic because all he's doing is recording his pre-recorded lines. Yep. He doesn't need to do any sort of fanciness. He doesn't need to sit on his jacket. He doesn't need shoulder pads. All he's doing is reading the thing he wrote, which is the thing he's best at in the first place. And his podcast gets picked up to become like a network miniseries. What? Okay, so... So so all the things I just said, never mind, let's put him on TV. No, no, no. All the things you just said... But someone buys his one of the stories he does on his podcast to cover to make into a mini series, like an entertainment mini series. Because if you look, oh, at, that's the big resolution at the end. That's it's, the big resolution. I told this. Yeah. I broke this story, and now we. We're it's get, entertainment. Well, now we're getting the um, the fictionalized version. What's the one they did with uh, uh, Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton? Impeachment. Right, but what's the name of that show? American Crime Story. Yeah, it's becoming a season of American Crime Story. Right, or it's Dope Sick, or it's um, Pam and Tommy, or it's um, The Dropout. All of these are miniseries that came out of podcasts. Yeah, okay, got it. All right, I see what you were leading to. Yeah, yes, sorry. Yes, 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 sorry. So, and then he's upset about that because he sold out. Oh, okay. He's upset that he sold out. Well, what are you able to uh, tell me about the story that you were able to get with, with the money that they paid you? Oh, man, I have this amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's that's very funny, and that's very Albert Brooks, actually. Yeah, I think it would also take into account his sort of snobbishness. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, I I got fired from the network, I did my own thing, and now I got bought back, and now my story's on the network. Any, my story's on the network without me. Right back to where I started. Exactly. That's very, very funny. I fully support that. That took me a while to get to it. You, but... you know what? You, that's great. That's very, very smart. I love that. Okay, I'm glad. Uh, good. Okay. And then we have everything else that's going on. Yeah, I think so. Because um, we have Tom and Jane ended up together on like a show like Last Week Tonight or something where he's their puppet. Yeah. And then we've got um, Aaron who's somehow made a fortune from his podcast and he's very upset about that. Yeah, which is hilarious. Good. Great. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think that's our movie. Yeah. That is best possible world of broadcast news. The only thing we didn't really talk about is like What's the what's the date rape of our movie? And it's like ah, whoever's actually writing it can figure out what the what the actual important story is to get across. Yeah, because I'm sure there are so many. There are so many. Yeah, so many. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about cast. Okay, that's a happier thing. Yeah, I actually dug deeper into cast than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different cast. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh. Well then, yeah. Let's let's start with Holly Hunter. Let's start with Jane Craig. Sure. Obviously, like so many of these other movies, it's extremely white. I did my best to not super uh, make it that anymore. But let's start with uh, Jane Craig. So my Jane Craig is someone who very smart. She was an ugly. She's ugly Betty. She's now in Superstore. She's sister of the Traveling Pants. I wanted to go with America Ferrera. Okay, that's a that's an awesome choice. Thank you. That's an awesome choice. She was actually also recently in Hey We Work or We Crashed. Yeah, a show made out of a podcast. I definitely listened to the podcast, and I definitely watched the show. <laughs> Funny. Okay, my uh, we, Jane... work, we Work is such a trash organization. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it is. Who was your Jane? Actually, I wrote, I had Emma Stone. Interesting. Okay. They're about the same age. They are? About the same age. I just, um, I wanted someone who was really kinetic. That's true. And really whip smart. And I think that's Emma Stone to me. Absolutely. 
I don't have any notes about that. I think that's great casting. And I like America. Yeah. I think we need to figure out our three and kind of settle on that. Yeah. But I uh, I think those are both good. I think they would be very, very different dynamics. Um, I feel like Emma Stone might be like, well, why isn't she on the news? Good point. But, but other than that, I think she's great. Yeah. Um, I think I would potentially like push the character her up a little bit. But other than that. Yeah. Awesome. So then... Um, I actually looked at America as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like, huh. I was going back and forth, and then I was like, maybe... <laughs> I have two A-listers in my cast. Oh, I have a couple A-listers. And we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to them because they are good for the things that I cast them for. But let's talk about Tom. Okay. Who did you have for your Tom uh, Grunick? Ryan Gosling. <laughs> well... You want to put uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling back together again? Then oh, I no. thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Now then I thought about that. I like America better. I yeah. really do. I like America better, but I like Ryan Gosling as Tom. Yeah. I think he covers the, like, in terms of like a TikTok star, attractive blonde guy who doesn't really know anything, I think he'd be able to play that very, very well. Yes. Plus, we already know that he can save jazz. Yes. So. Maybe he can save news. Yeah. That's not bad. Who'd you pick? I went with an actor who's a little bit gruffer, who is a different kind of smart. Um, in the sense that, like, I made him a lot more street smart as opposed to, like, educated, do the research kind of smart. Because his big thing is Sons of Anarchy, but he was also in The Gentleman. I went with Charlie Hunnam. Okay. I think I like him a lot. I mean, I love him. Yeah. He's a phenomenal actor. I like Ryan Gosling because I think he's like the all-American kind of this is who we would plunk in front of a TikTok thing and be a star. He's the sort of person that networks love to put in front yes. of us. And I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Um, who did you... Well, oh, right. Aaron Altman, uh, our Albert Brooks. This one's tough. This one was unbelievably tough. So I wanted someone who could kind of like have kind of that neuroses, but also kind of have that feeling of like, well, I'm the smartest one in the room, but no one believes me. And I'm like not really good at communicating. Yeah. And so this kid i also made him the youngest of the three by a considerable margin because i think he's 20s whereas the other two are like late 30s oh wow i first saw him in power rangers okay but he's also in me and earl and the dying girl and he's also in the the new um western the harder they fall i went with rj seiler okay because i think he can kind of handle the neuroses of aaron altman by and also bring something else to the character and also be completely overwhelmed with trying to tell the story that needs to be told. Okay. I went with someone completely different. Go on. Kevin Hart. Interesting. Um, why? Because I think that he can do drama. He can do some drama stuff. But I think he's got a lot of neuroses in him. And I think having that come out would be really cool. No offense to Kevin Hart. What dramas has he done? No, I think he can do drama. I don't think he has ah, done drama. Got it. I think, but as a comedian, I think he could really bring something cool to this role. I'm going to push us away from Kevin Hart. Okay. I, if nothing else, it's because I think he has too much self-confidence for this role. The other guy I was thinking of when I thought about him really hard and then realized my cast was all white and I didn't want to do that. Fair. Ben Witzig. I don't know who that is. He played Q in the new James Bond movies. Ah, got it. That's very clever. That's also, yes, he would be a... He would be a good one-for-one one for Albert Brooks. Yeah. And that's why I also didn't want to necessarily cast him because he was too much like Albert Brooks. Yeah, that's fair. For our three, let's do America Ferreira, Ryan Gosling, RJ Seiler. Done. I'm good with that. Let's talk about Jennifer Mack. 
who is yeah. the other leading lady, lady reporter. Who gets sent to Alaska. Who gets sent to Alaska. Um, there to be like, oh, well, I'm the attractive blonde. And I'm also good at selling things. But who, like, literally, like, she doesn't do anything wrong. No. She it gets screwed over by Holly Hunter. Yes. I got nothing against, uh, like, like it's not her fault she's attractive. No, tall and attractive. Yeah, she gets screwed over by Holly Hunter hard. Yes. And it's like, oh, oh. So I just went with someone who, like, doesn't always get the best roles, but is very charming. Oh, I went first for the last one. I'm so sorry. You go ahead. Tiffany Haddish. Oh. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I think she can really have the self-confidence for that role. Absolutely. And I think she can bring something really interesting to the role because it's not necessarily a large role. Sure. But it's a presence. Yes. Interesting. I like that idea. That's... She's gorgeous. Of course. That's very clever. I like that a lot. I was leading towards, like, attractive blonde lady who hasn't necessarily been given the correct opportunity to shine, but is great and we like her. Because she's in Gossip Girl and A Simple Favor and Green Lantern. Blake Lively. I hate her. You hate her? Okay, Tiffany Haddish it is. I, 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 I can't tell you. I, I don't know why. There's just an instant dislike to watching her on screen. That's fine. Then we'll have to go with Tiffany Haddish. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, I also cast uh, Jane Craig's kind of like assistant, other like uh-huh. uh, executive assistant lady, the Joan Cusack. Yeah, I, I cast it as well. You went first to the last one. So yep. I want someone who I haven't necessarily seen of as, seen as much, but I went with someone who kind of has the comedy chops. So comedy chops and like can kind of do the character stuff. Mm-hmm. So she's currently in How I Met Your Father. She's also was in the Candyman remake. She's in something called Work in Progress. Her name is Tian Tram. Okay. And just funny, charismatic lady, but kind of like a little bit meeker and like g- good at playing a second fiddle to a, uh, a stronger presence. And so I thought that she'd be fun. And I went with someone very similar. Okay. I went with a Latinx actress called Aurelia Barr, who's from Disney. Oh, she's the Moana girl. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a different last name. This one is A-R-I-E-L-A. She's cute. I didn't know, but I liked that show. So I thought... You did like the show? Runaways, yeah. I watched the first season and I never got back into it. That was kind of my problem, too. I loved the first season and then never watched it again. Did you ever read the comic? Yes. Loved the comic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've cast... Yeah, okay. That's not a great picture of her on IMDb. No, I, I found a different picture yeah, from her on a different list. She's the, um, she's the one with the dinosaur in Runaways. Oh, sweet. And she's the one who is extremely political. Yeah. She's the one that's like, we're going to do these things because they're the right thing to do. Uh, that, and I have most definitely used her for this podcast before because she's great. Yeah. Let's go with your choice, though. Um, okay. I think if you've if you used Aurelia before, let's, let's go with a different actress. Let's give another person a shot. That's very kind of you. Thank you. So the only two people I have left are the Jack Nicholson character and the the kind of like evil executive character. Okay, I have also the guy who runs the news. I thought you might. I figured that was your other person. Yeah. So let's 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 do that guy next. What was his name? Ernie Merriman. And because I don't have anyone for this, you're just going to get it. Who did you have? Queen Latifah. Amazing, sold. Because I think she's she's just got the presence to run the run a newscast. 
Why would she be getting forced out, though? Because... Why would she be getting forced out in favor of Jane Craig? Because she is an older woman who maybe... She's like in her 40s, uh, maybe close to 50? She's like mid-40s. Queen Latifah is 52. She's Okay, I was close to 50, so I was there. Okay, that's why. Ageism. Okay. America Ferreira is 38. So yes. Queen Latifah is 14 years older than her. Yes. Perfect. For those of you that don't remember, in the original movie, Ernie Merriman is played by a man who is... Robert Protsky. In his 70s or 80s? I would say 65 to 70. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely playing an old man type. Yes. And he's being forced out because he's paid a lot, but also because of ageism. Yeah. And I don't think you can get away with forcing Queen Latifah out for ageism. Okay, but what if... I think there's lots of reasons to force Queen Latifah out, despite the fact... And I... So here is what... Here's the way we can actually do it, I think, is I think Queen Latifah can be the person who runs the network, and then when the network gets bought out by the evil executive guy who'd been an investor, who tries to push them a certain way, and then finally he gets fed up and says, no, I'm just buying the whole thing. Yeah. I like so that. So I think Queen Latifah is the person who is running the network who gets bought out. Okay. Like, she's the... That's not a good comparison. She is the president of Nickelodeon, but this person buys out Viacom. Yes. And then replaces them. And, and then everything, and then like liquidates. Yeah. So because so she's not going to be replaced with uh, with the Jane Craig in our version, but she was the one who was who was who knows how to play the game and get things on the air, but was allowing things to get pushed further left until finally like the rich person was like, absolutely no. not. Yeah. So that makes sense. Queen Latifah, for that version great okay so who is that evil executive um the evil executive i had was jim broadbent i don't know who that is he's a wonderful british actor who just kind of can look evil and do evil things oh i've seen him before yeah i can't think of a i Down, can't i think he's in no he's not in downtown abbey he's in harry potter and he's the in harry potter Prince. yeah he's in moulin rouge he's in hot fuzz He's very funny, and I bet he can go from being, ha ha, I'm just a kind of funny, silly old man, to, no, we're going to do things my way. Yeah. I think that's better than who I have. Who do you have? Ernie Hudson. Oh, he's great. He is, but I, I think he works for the version as the movie stands. I yeah. don't think he works for our version. Okay. Because I don't think Ernie Hudson would be good at playing the right-wing billionaire who's taking over a network to shut down its leftist leanings. Jim Broadbent can definitely do that. Jim Broadbent is better for that. Then who did you have for the anchor? Because I think this is where we're going to have a lot of fun. So for the anchor, this is my other A-list person. All right. And he was actually someone I was originally considering for Tom Gronick, but then I was like, no, no. This is uh, this is anchor level uh, Jack Nicholson style quality. Chris Pine. See, and I went a little different. Okay. Denzel Washington. Interesting. Because I think he's got gravitas. He does. He's also older, which is might yeah. be right for the role. Because I, I initially wanted, like, I was thinking Tom Grunick. I was thinking Denzel Washington. I was like, no, that's completely the wrong role for him. And then I was like, but I really like, I'll pay attention to him. That's true. Denzel Washington says something, I'm going to, like, pay attention. So the question is... Is it just some person who's rich and famous and who doesn't really care what direction he's being pushed in? 
because in remember in our version we're like having this network that's slowly pushing people to the right and this is someone who's been telling so Denzel Washington probably is the right choice just by dint of age alone I think I think the cool thing with Denzel Washington is if he's playing Bill Rorsch then what we can do is he doesn't mind being pushed to the left he's actually quite fond of that part but yeah. when he's bought out and they're saying no we're gonna take this right end thing he leaves and then Tom, ha- he's he, not pushed He in. stays with the job because it's the job. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, I like that. Good Good choice. Good argument. Yeah. You convinced me. Thank you. Um, I don't have any more cast, I don't have any more either. So that gives writer and director. Yeah. For both of these, I chose people who worked on Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. Okay. Because like they have the news experience, but they also kind of have like the comedy and the storytelling and that sort of thing. So let's talk about writer first. I actually chose a writer-director, so why don't we do yours first? Well, yeah, we'll do writer, your writer-director, and then my director. Yeah. So my writer is a writer on Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. She is a graduate of, like, the UCB. She did some of their comedy originals. And she also worked on Remembering RBG, A Nation Ugly Cries. Yeah. Uh, Her name is Melissa Taub. Oh, nice. I'm sorry, not Melissa. Melinda Taub. Melinda Taub. Okay. And, like, so those are some examples of, like, so she, she does the comedy, but obviously she has the political leaning and, like, cares about, like, telling the story that the world needs to hear. Nice. So, Melinda Top. Who did you have for your writer-director? Robert Siegel. Tell me why Robert Siegel. Well, he did The Wrestler, The Founder, and then he did, like, this left turn and did Pam and Tommy, which was, like, demented and really fun. So I thought he had, he had the, he had the, he has the ability to do the new stuff and get all of that right. Sure. And then he, but he's also got the satirist time to like make fun of this as well. And, and not to make fun of it, but to allow a comic bent to come into it to say, hey, this is not right. But do it in a, in a, in a, in a tone that allows people to watch it and doesn't put people off. He also did The Founder. He did do The Founder. He wrote The Founder. Yes. Hmm. He also was a writer on The Onion Movie. That's the thing you should have brought up to convince me. Oh, sorry. The Onion Movie. Yeah. Interesting. I, 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 I haven't seen a bad thing from him. Let me tell you about my director, and then I'm going to make an argument as to why we should go with my writer and director. Okay. Um, my director is also a director on uh, uh, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. She has directed just as many episodes as Jason Jones, who's Samantha Bee's husband, and she's, so, which means she's like tied for... And, but that's kind of really all she's done. So she isn't a big-name director like Robert Siegel is. Mm-hmm. However... For a movie about a woman trying to break through in the world of broadcast news, she is a female director. And I have a female writer. And I feel like to tell this story, I kind of wanted to get the female gaze a little bit more from those two like aspects of it. I will go with you on that, but I would say I would rather have your writer than your director. Because I think one of the things this movie needs is someone who's got a lot of experience in getting this across. You don't want this to come across clumsy. So what you're saying is that we need our we writer your... to be Jane Craig and our director to be Tom Grunick. Yeah, definitely. All right. I think we... I if think... only because it's narratively appropriate. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Because I don't let you know if someone who does like episodes of Samantha Bee can turn around and do a movie. That's fair. And I think Robert Siegel is a, a, a very, very smart choice. The only reason I was away, leaning away from him is because he's a dude. Yeah, but, no, like, I know. And I, hes- he did, I hesitated that. Because he did The Founder... And The Wrestler and The Onion Movie. I'm actually not a big fan of Pam and Tommy and I have a lot of problems with it. And I and that, that was a strike against him for me. Okay. But that's a whole separate story. Yeah. Because it's 
deeply exploitive and we shouldn't be rewarding someone who invades people's privacy like that. I guess I'll, incred- I'll, I'll agree with you entirely on that, but I'll also say that they treated Pam, they had a lot of sympathy for Pam in that. Sure, but they still made it. They still made it where they shouldn't have made it. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and then in 2021, he's his self in something called Too Soon, Comedy After 9-11. I need to have a conversation with this guy. But yeah, with his resume, he probably is the correct thing to do. Like, he's literally working on a, strip, a script called American Huckster, which totally fits. Mm-hmm. Like, he will write Tom Grunick and probably Aaron Altman very well. No, or but like, I I'm think... I'm sorry, will direct... Yeah, and I think... I think... Who was, who was your writer again? I'm sorry. He wrote The Founder. He didn't direct The Founder. No, but he directed episodes of Pam and Tommy as well. No, he did not. He, he didn't? just wrote them. I thought he directed them as well. No, I'm going to double check. Oh, I, then I screwed up big time. Yeah, no, he's not a director. He's only directed two things. One was in 2009, and it's called Big Fan. Nope. And the other one's called Cruise in 2018. Ignore me totally then. Robert Siegel's out. But I think we need to find a director that I agree. Sort of thing. Yeah, because I, I like he. Act, I'm glad I caught that because I'm glad you caught it as he's well. He's not really a director. No, no, I appreciate that. I honestly read it. I read his IMDb wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I think we should go with Melinda Taub. Yes, but I'll agree well, with you on that. I'll agree with you absolutely on that because she'll get, she'll get the comedy. She'll get the politics of the whole thing. She'll get everything. Well, let's take a step back. Who directed The Founder. And it's a guy named John Lee Hancock. Okay. Who also directed Blindside. Yes. And The Highwaymen. And Saving Mr. Banks. And Snow White and the Huntsman. And uh, did script revisions on Bad Boys 2. And directed The Rookie. And in 2000 directed something called Falcone. Clint Eastwood. A cinematic legacy. Maybe not this guy. No. Let's go back to that uh, The Onion movie. (laughs) Who directed The (laughs) Onion movie? (laughs) Tom Kuntz and Mike McGuire. Tom Kuntz as James Kleiner and Mike McGuire as James Kleiner. No. That's weird. It was a writing team that, yeah, I guess not then. What about... Who directed The Wrestler? I don't know. Darren Aronofsky. That's probably not the right choice. Probably not. What about Catherine Hardwick? Tell me why Catherine Hardwick. Well, she's a really good director she did the twilight stuff which was interesting but she's also did 13 we here at dueling genre support katherine hardwick's work on twilight all right i wasn't a part of it it's just something that like if anyone's listening from uh dueling genre they'll be like that's correct we do all right um she what else has she done so <laughs> executive producer on star girl um but she also did like special thanks and sorry to bother you 13, she directed 13, which was yeah. an amazing movie. We the Economy, 20 short films you can't afford to miss. Like, she is plugged in. Don't look deeper. Eyewitness, eye candy. I think this is correct. I think Catherine Hardwick is the correct choice. And, that, and, the, and then again, we go back to getting rid of the male gaze on this, and we've got a female gaze entirely on it. Yes. Which I like. I do too. Especially because katherine hardwick directed the first twilight movie and then got replaced by someone more famous once the movie turned out to be popular yes like literally that happened to her yeah and so like i bet she could tell a story about that mm-hmm. so i think katherine hardwick is very smart very very clever yes fully support that awesome i think that's it let me take you through who our uh broadcast podcast news uh team is a pot we'll have a, a podcast about broadcast news that's awesome 
Uh, Jane Craig will be America Ferreira. Tom Grunick will be Ryan Gosling. Aaron Altman will be R.J. Seiler. Jennifer Mack will be Tiffany Haddish. Blair Lytton will be Tian Tran. Ernie Merriman will be Queen Latifah. Paul Moore will be Jim Broadbent. Bill Rorish is Denzel Washington. All of this will be written by Mel- uh, Melinda Taub and directed by Catherine Hardwick. That is broadcast news. Woohoo! Yeah. Awesome. Diane, thank you. You going to go watch this movie? Yeah. Cool. I'm ab- I absolutely will watch this movie. Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, you'll have to make me, but then I will tell you how good it was. Yeah. Excellent. So, now it's time for uh, you to brag about different things that you've done and have people follow you on social medias, if that's the sort of thing you're into. I try. You try. Mostly I post pictures of my cats. And that's the correct, that's what social media is for. Okay. Good. And where can people go to find pictures of your cats? Okay. um, On Instagram, I'm Diane Bloom. So it's D-I-A-N-N-E-B-L-O-O-M. And you spell your first name with two N's. Yes. And you spell your last name with two O's. Yes, like the flower. Right. So the two less common ways to spell both those names yes without a without a doubt good and then on uh uh, twitter i'm dibster d-i-b-s-t-e-r excellent and if anyone's interested in following me i'm at sam gash s-a-m-g-a-s-c-h on twitter or follow the podcast at ideal remake on twitter or instagram or join us on facebook ideal remake or ideal remake podcast And because Ideal Remake is a part of the Dueling Genre Network, each episode I try to promote a Dueling Genre show. And this episode, I'm going to talk about True Believers, which is hosted by Becca Rebergen, Chris O'Connor, and Ray Russo. Chris O'Connor has previously been a guest on Ideal Remake. And basically, every time there's a new MCU thing, they talk about it. They analyze and explore this Marvel Cinematic Universe, which the Disney Plus stuff, the movies, they're talking about it. And that's True Believers, so check that out. So, we will now end our remake of Broadcast News the way we end all episodes of Ideal Remake. Diane, what is your favorite quote from the movie Broadcast News? I honestly think it's, it's, um, it's Baby Jane when she goes down to talk to her father and she's like, Obsessive? This is me stopping to talk to you. How can you call me obsessive? Excellent. Because that kid just delivers it so well. She's so good. She's so good. Thank you, Diane, for being being on this episode. This was great. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. I really had a good time.